Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Right now, if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you go ahead to the book of Matthew chapter 1. And the title of our message tonight is Because. Because. We'll tell you what that means here in just a moment. But because. Uh, and, and let me tell you just by way of getting started that without a Savior, without a Savior, this life is the best it ever gets. Okay? Without a Savior, this life is it. This is the best it ever gets. Without a Savior, this world is the best place you will ever live. Wow. Isn't that a sombering thought? Without a Savior, without someone bigger than you that's able to do something you are not able to do, without a Savior that can actually change eternity's destiny and destination for you, without a Savior, then uh, this world is, is the absolute best place you will ever live. And look around you. That, 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 that's kind of scary. You know, if this was the best it was ever going to get, uh, the Bible says if you have hope in this life only, then you're going to end up being a miserable person. And that's the reality. In fact, uh, I believe that this is why God sent his son is because we need a savior. The New Testament, as we're turning to Matthew chapter 1, the New Testament begins in the book of Matthew with the genealogy of Jesus. Now, it can get a little confusing for some if they read the genealogy from Matthew and the genealogy from Luke because one of them goes you know, uh, from history forward, the other one goes from present backwards. So they, they kind of do like this. And then right about the middle, they start changing names because the genealogy in Luke is not exactly the genealogy in Matthew. It's the same all the way to David. But then at David, it changes in Matthew and Luke. One of them goes the route of David's son Solomon and follows Solomon. One of them goes the route of David's son Nathan and follows Nathan. Most scholars believe that the reason is that one of them is Mary's genealogy and the other one is the genealogy of Joseph, which clearly states that, you know, this one is the father of Joseph. So that it's a double whammy, if you would. It's a double proof. It's, 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 it's double evidence that no matter which trail you follow, you find that Jesus is the son of David. He was from the tribe of Judah. He had roots in both, which was very common in that day, that Mary and Joseph would have been uh, um, you know, related back in the tribe of Judah. The New Testament, as I said, begins in Matthew with this genealogy. And, uh, and if you read genealogies, it can get boring. 
Except this genealogy in Matthew is not real boring. In fact, if you would just go and look at some of the ladies that are mentioned, you know, not all of the mothers are mentioned, but occasionally during this genealogy, uh, you know, from about, you know, the the first part of, of Matthew 1, in fact, verse 1 says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Here, uh, you know, uh, Matthew, who was a tax collector, who was a publican, who was called by Jesus while he was working as a tax collector to come and follow Jesus. And, and he left his job and went and followed Jesus. And, and Matthew writes to us that this is a connection that, that Jesus definitely has. He has a connection to, to Abraham, being a son of Abraham, a son of the covenant of Abraham, and a son of David. And so here from the house of David, it was very important because this is who the, the, the Israelites, the Jews, were looking for in their day. They were looking for this connection because roots and, and family and genealogy meant so much to them. It doesn't mean too much to us. In fact, I dare say that most of us could quote the names of our father's 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 father hardly three to four generations back. And you start losing it. You'd have to go look it up somewhere. Uh, but in, in this day, in this time, in this period, for many reasons, one of which was because uh, you needed to remember it because there wasn't a whole lot written down. And so you needed to be able, there weren't a whole lot of books around. There wasn't any printing presses. There weren't, you know, things that they could keep a lot of records with at home. And so it was important to have this oral tradition and this oral uh, um, 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 account of what family you were from, of what, what uh, cities you were from, you know, the stories, the, the, the Bible stories that we take for granted because we can read them everywhere were not uh, necessarily, well, they weren't written down for the common person. In fact, uh, a copy of the Bible in, in, in that day, a copy of the Old Testament, a copy of the Law of Moses was very rare to even have in every city in every town uh, and if so it was housed in, in 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 a very particular place in a synagogue or you know or you had to go to jerusalem to the temple uh because you couldn't you, you just didn't have a personal and a private copy of the word of god you just didn't and so all of the things that you wanted to teach your children and all of the stories you wanted to tell them about Noah and the stories that you were raised on and, and that, that, that meant a lot, uh, the stories of Abraham, the stories of David, the stories of Samson, the, the stories of, of, of Gideon, the stories of, of Deborah, the stories of Ruth, the story you know, uh, of David, they all had to be told uh, by oral tradition and by oral uh, 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 exercise how important it was to keep that going. And so here Matthew is giving us the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. If you would read on in, in, in Matthew there, begins with Abraham and, and uh, you know, Isaac and Jacob, continues. And down in verse 6, uh, he says, And Jesse begot David the king, and David begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. I find this interesting that whenever Matthew mentions one of the wives, it's normally one of the wives that really had some shocking story behind her. He mentions, you know, Bathsheba. 
and this shocking story of David and Bathsheba. He wants them to know that, yes, that is the woman who is the grandmother of Jesus. He mentions Ruth. Yes, that is the woman. He mentions Rahab, the harlot. Yes, that is the woman. That's, 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 it's, it's, it's very interesting that he points out these women along the way. And, uh, and then he gets down to verse 17. And in verse 17... He says, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon unto Christ, the Christ, are 14 generations. Now, now this is evidently important, and I have never spoken on this topic before, and, uh, and so I have never seen these things before that I'm going to uh, be sharing with you. But, but there's evidently uh, you know, uh, uh, something that's very important here about these divisions. And, of course, we can understand that when you are having to uh, uh, remember the Word of God, when you're having to remember things, when you're having to remember your history, Anything that you're needing to remember, whether it's numbers or dates or, or whatever it may be, it is wonderful to group those things into small groups because it helps, you know, I mean, even, even the Word of God, we'll put it into a song or, 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 or we'll put it into a group of scriptures and, and we can remember things. And so here, no doubt, Matthew was taught or perhaps he wanted to make sure that his readers understood the history of the children of God. And so he says from, from Abraham to David, you know, he, he divides this into three basic periods. Uh, uh, the first period, Abraham to David, okay? From Abraham to David was one period that, that he says of 14 generations. Now we know if we were to really go in here and pick this apart, we would find that in all three of these periods they do not necessarily contain the same number of people. So that has thrown a curve in some people's study of the Bible to say, wait a second, he's going to say 14, 14, 14, but he's leaving out three in number two, and he's leaving out some in number three. And so, you know, what is the deal? Well, evidently, generations that are calculated by God, they're not dependent upon people, not dependent upon numbers. God here is saying that this period here was 14 generations. And I'm going to tell you that the way I approach the Word of God is that the Word of God is true and everybody else is a liar. Okay? So this is how uh, you, know, you, you need to, by faith, understand that God's thoughts are not our thoughts and God's ways are not our ways. And He is right, and I don't know why He's right, and I don't even know why some people are confused about God not being confused. But God's not the one that's confused here. I'm the one that's confused. Why are we so confused about God not being confused about what he's talking about? Do you know when Jesus said, you see this temple, you know, I'm going to tear this temple down, and, you know, and in three days I'll rebuild it. And they said, what? You know, Jesus was not the one that was confused there. 
There are a lot of things that Jesus said, a lot of things that God said, and there are a lot of things that are in the Word of God that just make you kind of go, wait a second. Now, if I was really to count these up, and neither does it equal numbers, you might think, well, a generation might just be a certain number of years. I've heard a lot of people preaching that a generation was 40 years right up until, you know, Jesus didn't come back in, in, in 1987, and then they had to start, you know, uh, recalculating at 2000. Then when he didn't come back in 2000, uh, they had to start recalculating again. It's 70 years as a generation generation now I think I think that's the the, the latest revelation you know I you know it, 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 it it's not a number of years because the three periods that he's going to break down one of those periods is about a thousand years one of them's a little over 400 years and one of them is a, 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 almost 600 years so evidently, when God starts calculating his will, his word, and his way, he's not limited, he's not bound by our thoughts, by our understanding, by what we think it ought to be. He's not bound by the number of people. He's not bound by the, by, by the calculation of years. God is so far outside of things that we can fully understand, and it would be really good if we would stop being confused about God not being confused. That makes sense, because you know that leper Naaman dipped in the river Jordan seven times, and he came out, and his skin was just like babies. I'm not confused about that. How did it happen? Now I'm confused about that, but I'm not confused about God not being confused. <laughs> you know, it rained forty days and forty nights, and Noah was floating above it all. How to happen, don't know, but I'm not going to allow my confusion to make me think God is confused or the Bible's confused. I'm not going to allow my lack of, of knowledge to equal a lack of faith. Okay, so, uh, so this first period that, that Matthew breaks this history of the children of Israel down into is from Abraham to David. Now, during this particular time, during this thousand years from Abraham to David, uh, the leadership that God provided to the earth to help his children stay on course with the covenant because he made a covenant with Abraham. So from Abraham to David, thousand years, it's that first period. Uh, it, was, it, it was led by patriarchs. It was led by prophets and it was led by judges. Those were the three groups of people, the three, uh, 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 if I will, three categories of leaders that God gave the children of Israel to keep them on course. He gave them patriarchs. He gave them fathers. He gave them prophets. And also he gave them judges. Y'all remember the period of the judges. Well, that was the period between Abraham and David. Uh, the second period, the Bible says, was David to the Babylon captivity, the Babylonian captivity. This is the second period of history that Matthew, in helping him remember, in helping him teach. Okay, let's remember that's the first period, 14 generations. That's, this is the second period. And in the second period, the leadership that God provided were kings. Okay? First were fathers and prophets and judges, and then here came kings to help the children of God stay on course. 
And so some of the kings were good kings, some of the kings were bad kings. Some of the patriarchs were good, sometimes they didn't do what he wanted them to. You know, uh, uh, you know sometimes they, they did things they shouldn't have done. And, uh, you know, sometimes the prophets, you know, said what God wanted, and sometimes they said what they wanted. Sometimes, you know, the judges, you know, did what they should, and sometimes they did not do what they should, you know. Um, Samson is just one case in point. And uh, so this first period, the second period, David to Babylon. And then the third period was from the Babylonian captivity up unto the Messiah, up unto Christ, up unto Jesus being born. That was the third period of the history of the children of Israel, basically, that Matthew is covering here. Matthew is saying, you know, uh, uh, this third period, we know that it was... It was led by princes and also by priests. In fact, when Jesus was born, you know, priests were the leaders. They did not have a national government leader. They did not have a national, uh, you know, uh, uh, political group. It was the high priest who was, uh, who, who was charged and who was in the place of leading the children of Israel, of counseling, of correcting, of encouraging, of guiding, of teaching uh, uh, the children of Israel. The high priest was, and, and so, so God had led them by priest. So in their history, it seems as though all the way from Abraham, when God made a covenant with Abraham, it began the history of the children of God separated from the children of the world. And the children of God, the children of Abraham, Abraham's seed, as it were, were heirs of the promise of God. And God began to lead the children, uh, his children, God began to lead his family. God began to lead those who were in covenant with him, first with fathers and prophets and, and, and judges, and, and also kings had their chance. And, uh, you know, and uh, then, uh, then we see princes and we see priests and, you know, uh, so many categories of people had their chance at leading. And yet, you know, the world continued to wax worse and worse. Things didn't necessarily, you know, uh, end up, no one had the answer. The fathers did their best, some of them, but, 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 but it, it, it wasn't the best, and, and, and the judges and, you know, and, uh, and the kings and, and, and the government, they're trying their best. And then about 400 years before Jesus, there was no leadership, not a word from heaven, nothing, nothing from the book of Malachi all the way until the New Testament where Matthew is just beginning the New Testament. There has not been a word from heaven, and so every person was responsible to do what was right in their own eyes. Every person interpreted the Word of God for themselves. There was no fresh Word from heaven. Oh, they might have some help here and there, but there was no designated, no anointed, no, no, no uh, uh, you know, delegated authority, none of God's delegated authority on the earth to lead and counsel and cover and correct and guide and teach and have a fresh Word from heaven for the people. And so everyone was left just to take what they knew of God's Word and try to please Him in their own decisions. 
Are you getting the picture? Okay. I find it interesting that all types of leadership had been employed by God, had been given a chance to lead, and, 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 and no one could save the world. Mankind could not then and cannot now save the world. Our fathers, as good as they may be, cannot save the world. All of the good ideas of fathers cannot save the world. And it's just not, it's not just because there are a lot of fatherless. Do you know how many orphans there are and abandoned children? One, one uh, 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 number I read today was uh, 143 million. I read one story today where if, if you were to have orphans, if you were to have the abandoned and orphaned children in the world today, if you were to have them holding hands with one another, standing side by side, shoulder to shoulder, it would take 1,700 of them to equal one mile. And if you were to get in your car, and if you were to drive 60 miles an hour past mile after mile of orphan after orphan after orphan, if you were just to continue 24 hours a day at 60 miles an hour, passing 1,700 orphans every mile, you would drive for two months before you finally passed them all. Wow. Time fails me to tell you of other things that the world has just waxing worse and worse. More and more people, you know, fathers, judges, preachers, you know, no one can save the world. We can do our best. We can help, but we can't save. Matthew, the first chapter, verse 17, tells us that each one of these groups, the three periods of history, they've had their chance, and yet the world was still lost. Then we get to verse 18, the next verse. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Immediately. Matthew goes into what we understand is the Christmas story, which we're reminded of in this season of the year. We are reminded, and the whole world is reminded, that God did not leave us at the mercy of all the things that want to claim our lives and all the trouble that we have and of all the conditions of life that are imposed upon us. God did not leave us at the mercy he gave everyone a chance, and no one could be found that could change the course and the eternal destination of a soul. And so he sent his son. Why did God send Jesus to us? God sent Jesus because we need him. Without Jesus, there is no Savior. It's not just giving a father which that helps it's not just 
you know, uh, 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 judges and preachers and, you know, it's not just princes and governments. It's, it's, it's not just uh, um, prophets that we need. What Jesus said to Nicodemus is that you must be born again. And in order to be born again, you need a Savior. And only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can change your life forever. Only Jesus can give you a better place than the place you currently live. Because without being born again, this is the best life you will ever know. And you may have a wonderful father, and you may, you know, uh, be brought before, you know, wonderful people, and, you know, governments may just favor you, but without Jesus Christ, this world is all you will have. You must be born again. You see, Mark starts this Christmas story by saying, in verse 1 of chapter 1 in Mark. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the good news. The beginning of the, of the glad tidings. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Not just the Son of Abraham, not just the Son of David, but the Son of Almighty God. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John put their Gospels together to give us a full picture of all that God wanted, all that God hoped, how God had given mankind opportunity after opportunity, and He had worked a long time. It may seem like a long time to us. It may seem like a short time to God. In fact, in the green room just before the service, I was sharing a, 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 a small paragraph that I read late this afternoon about the mayfly. The mayfly is a species of fly and, and, uh, and uh, insect, a species of insect, that, that uh, some call Canadian soldiers. I don't know why, but I read that. But the mayfly, do you know that the mayfly is hatched and then has to mature, breed, and lay eggs before they die? just to keep the species going. Sound familiar? That's the way it is with humans. But the mayfly lives less than five minutes. Wow. I think that is interesting. Dolania americana, the mayfly, less than five minutes in order to mature, layer eggs, or breed layer eggs, <laughs> And exit this life. You know, our life must look like a really, 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 really long time to the mayfly. I don't know how the mayfly could comprehend how long we have to live. Wow. What got me started on this is I was trying to imagine how long God has compared to how long I have. What seems like such a long time to me might seem like such 
a short time to God. What seems like a lifetime to the mayfly, and they accomplish everything that they're called to do, looks like such a short time to me. I think if I was a mayfly, I could endure life, whatever it brought. So what if it was cold that day? I can get over it. What if it was rainy that day? No worries. I mean, come on, I've only got to be there five minutes. So what? So what if it was windy? What if it was hot? What if it was nighttime? Well, it's only five minutes. Isn't that what we would say to them, Life, I come on here. Get with it. And you need to be happy because if you're ever going to be happy, you better be happy now because you don't have that long. You don't want to live your life sad all your life, do you? You know, I mean, come on, don't get upset with your parents. You don't want to die with being upset with your parents. Come on now. You don't have that long. Come on, get right. Especially if one decision in the mayfly's life could mean the difference between eternal life and eternal death. Hurry up, we'd be saying. Hurry up. That's what heaven's saying to us. Hurry up. Hurry up, whatever you got to do, do it now. Hurry up, come on now. Listen, your life is but a vapor. You're here for a moment and then you're gone. Come on now. Hurry up. Oh, you can do this when it's hot. Come on, you can do it. You're not going to be there but a hundred years. Come on. <laughs> God is eternal. It's all a matter of perspective. Well, the beginning of the gospel. It was just the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Look at verse 14 in, in Mark chapter 1. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Well, there's, there's no greater message. This was the message that Jesus preached. This is the beginning of the gospel. Okay, It's time. The kingdom of God is at hand. Get right with God and believe the good news. That's the message of the gospel. That's the message of Christmas. You know, my life is better because I have believed. I was telling my granddaughter Florence today that my life is better. When I made the decision that I was going to follow Christ my life took a different road. And I can tell you for certain today that I am better off, that my family is better off, and my friends are better off. Everyone I interact with is better off because I made that decision. I cannot imagine what my family would be like and what my, what my friends and the pain others would be bearing today had not I decided to live for Jesus Christ, had not I decided to believe. Believe. This is the beginning of the gospel in your life. This is the message of the gospel. Get right with God and believe. Believe the gospel believe the gospel during this christmas season let me encourage you to be a light shining in others because when i heard the gospel and i decided to believe this is the result you know, my children serve the lord they're happy my grandchildren serve the lord they're happy you know my you know it's 
you know, uh, things, it worked. It wasn't easy, but it worked. Okay. Share the gospel with someone this Christmas season. Okay. Because without Jesus Christ, this is the best it ever gets. Okay. Hear the gospel. Share the gospel. Get right with God and believe the good news. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.